All right, welcome to Steeler Country. I am Tony Serino. Today on the show, we're going to be previewing the Steelers' final preseason game this season. They will take on the Detroit Lions Sunday. I believe the game is, what, 4, 4.30? Uh, the game's on CBS, so I, I believe it's on nationally, so everyone will get a chance to see this one. And it's a huge game. You know, I mean, I know it's just a preseason game, but this isn't just any preseason game. I and mean, this is this is going to be what determines the 53-man roster as we get as we cut this thing down. The Steelers will make their final cuts on, I believe, Tuesday of next week. Um, and we're also going to be deciding starters. You know, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna decide left guard on Saturday. That that battle or on Sunday, that that battle probably has already been won by Kevin Dotson, but Let's let it play itself out on the field. Tomlin's certainly not ready to announce any starter just yet. Inside linebacker, as we talked about on yesterday's show, that battle is wide open between Devin Bush and Roberts Blaine, and you can even throw Mark Robinson in there. But the one we're really going to – we're going to spend a lot of time today talking about the quarterback battle. Um, now, before we get into the show, thank you all for watching today. Uh, if you would prefer – if you're watching on YouTube and you'd prefer this as an audio podcast, I have made this available now as an audio podcast. So you can go wherever you find podcasts, search dealer country. You'll find it on there. Uh, it usually takes about 24 hours to YouTube to allow me to download this show and, and process it into an audio file. It's actually also going to be available as a video podcast on Spotify as well. So if you, if you prefer it that way as well, you can certainly get that. And if you're listening to this on audio format, this is a YouTube show. It's a live show on YouTube. I love to get you fans involved in the show. So if you want to watch live, usually between five and six o'clock, uh, I am live here on YouTube. Head on over. You can leave a comment here in chat, and we'll do a Q&A at the end of the show. All right, so let's get into it. As I talked about, you know, we're, we're really going to be talking about roster battles today. That's what preseason game number three is all about. Tomlin's calling it the dress rehearsal. It was, seems like there's a lot of game planning going into this game. You know, Tomlin is is um, you know certainly focused on you know, things like the run defense. Right? I mean, the, he was asked in his press conference, Today on Friday, as I'm recording this, um, you know about the Lions, the success they had running the football last season, their their general effectiveness. They have a pretty good offensive line, and whether or not that's going to be a big key. And he talked about, look, you know, this is a big game planning week for us. We're putting some things in in place that should prove to us one way or the other. Did we improve this running game? So uh, it's a it's a big week in that way as well, right? Just to kind of see all the things that the 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 coaching staff has, has kind of been dreaming up in the offseason. Not that they're going to show their hand entirely this week, but again, this will be the first week where you take a game plan, you, you say, okay, this is what this team wants to do and see how the players react to that from a, from a kind of week of preparation standpoint. Uh, so that'll be another thing to watch for as we go. All right, let's get into uh, let's get into the, the, the main topic of today's show. Okay, I just, for whatever, you know, Kenny Pickett has become this, I mean, just a sensation in the city of Pittsburgh to the point where I've been saying it. If you've watched me since the beginning of this whole thing, since I started doing these these videos, the beginning of training camp, I was there from day one all the way to um, the, the second to last week of practice. And I've been very consistent the entire time. I don't think there's really a quarterback battle. I don't. And I, 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 I said that because Mitch Trubisky was taking all the first team reps. And it just didn't feel like, even though I thought at the beginning of the, this process, Mason looked like, hey, this kid, you know, maybe Mason's approved enough or at least he should get some reps with the first thing he did not. And now we're at a point where Kenny Pickett has entered himself into this ring. And, and 
to Mike Tom, you know, look, for, for Mike Tomlin's credit, he has said this entire process, this is a quarterback battle. I have my own way of doing this. So this has been the plan. This is a quarterback battle. And when asked this week, is the is quarterback one going to be decided on Sunday? His answer was yes. So I'll take him at his I'll take him at his word. Right? I'll, I'll take him at his word and believe that okay, Mitch Trubisky versus Kenny Pickett comes down to what they do on Sunday. Uh, I am I'm super excited to see this. You know, from my own personal thoughts, I would love to see Kenny win this job. Who wouldn't? I mean, what this kid has done already throughout this process, you know, what he did against Seattle. And even if even if I can't glean a ton as far as his ability to be a capable NFL starter from that game in particular, at least that game kind of shed a lot of the fears of, uh-oh, what if Kenny just can't play whatsoever? I think he proved in that game, look, against a bad defense, uh, you know, a team that's playing all off, and I, you give me a simple game plan, I can execute that very, very easily. And then against Jacksonville, talked about this on the other show. I mean, some of the throws he made in that game, they, they, were, just, they were just jump out of your seat, wow throws. The fact that a rookie like Kenny Pickett is, is making those kind of throws already starts to give you this, this hope of, you know, not only is this kid good right now, how good can he be? I was excited to see, by the way, uh, Brett Coleman, who does a great, has a great YouTube channel here. Uh, he did a whole video breaking down Kenny Pickett and that uh, drive he had against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Did a great job of breaking down the X's and O's. And again, some of those things that you see on the All-22, right? It, it seems like, okay, Kenny's just kind of, oh, it's, you know, it's a little slant route here. It's, a, it's dink and dunking down the field. But I thought Brett did a good job of showing, no, it's, it's not. While, yes, the, the average depth of target might not be, you know, 10 yards down the field, these are still relatively high-level throws from Kenny as far as his ability to read and diagnose a defense, understand what he's looking at, and process very quickly to get rid of the ball. And we know Kenny has the accuracy. Um, it's the anticipation and the timing that he's showing at such, you know, well, I don't want to say such a young age because, I mean, he's, what, 24, 25, but so early on in his NFL career. Um, I'm excited to see what, what happens on, on Sunday. Um, you know, just talking about the battle itself, we'll start with Mitch Trubisky because he is, at this point, I think he's still QB1, right? He's going to get the first team reps in this one. Tomlin says Trubisky starts. Pickett comes in, then it'll be Rudolph at the end. Um, little okay, we'll talk about Rudolph in a second because it's a little annoying. If it's if it's Trubisky versus Pickett, like let's just see that. I, we have four years of tape on Mitch, but um, you know, for Mitch, what I think what Mitch has to do to win this job is to just continue that kind of level of competency we've seen him over the past two games. Mitch Trubisky has not been a quarterback over the first two games that you're really gonna, you know, that that is a, a wow player, right? I wouldn't jump it out of my chair for anything Mitch has done in the first two games. In fact, as I've said on this show, you know, I, I have some real problems with the way that Mitch has played specifically in those moments where, you know, he's having to bail out and, and do some kind of extracurricular. I think he can actually do a better job in those moments of keeping his eyes up. And we've, we've talked about that in the past. Um, but I think as long as Mitch doesn't go out there and, and you know, and make a, a monumental Mitch Trubisky like mistake, you know, the kind of things we saw him do in Chicago, I still think he's probably the front runner. I think he's the leader in the clubhouse at this point. And this to me feels, feels like, you know, Tomlin saying, look, I'm going to give the kid a chance, but it's got to be a knockout. You know, it's got, he has to knock him out. Because again, as I, as I look back at how this process has played itself out, Mitch Trubisky took every, almost every single first team rep in training camp. There were like one or two days where he rotated, where Trubisky rotated with Mason Rudolph. Kenny Pickett has taken, to my knowledge, just one rep or just just one session in in practice with the ones and that was a two minute drill before the Jaguars game and then he took 
two reps or two drives in that game against the Jaguars with the ones. Otherwise, Pickett's really been in a battle for the backup job with Mason Rudolph, where he and Mason were rotating back and forth for that job. So this kind of late entrant into the ring, I think what Tomlin's saying is, look, if this kid goes out there against Detroit this week and does the same thing we just watched him to do against the Lions, but does it again and, and potentially for a longer period of time, I mean, one of the weirdest things that, you know, going back to my whole, is this really a battle? You know, Kenny Pickett, your rookie quarterback, who seemingly is entering himself into the ring, just happened to get the least number of reps of any of the quarterbacks on the team a week ago. Um, so again, it, it's, it's hard for me to believe this is a real battle, but if it is, I think, it, like I said, I think it's going to have to be Kenny winning via knockout here, meaning he is going to have to go out there and absolutely light the world on fire once again, as we've seen him do for two weeks. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, it's, it shouldn't come as a complete shock, but again, you know, just kind of law of averages, I guess you could say, don't, doesn't Kenny kind of have to come a little bit back down to earth? I mean, do we really expect that the, the Kenny Pickett we've seen for two weeks, like that's him, that's just going to be him forever. You know, we're just going to continue to see him go out there. Just, yep, yep, yep. Oh, that's easy here. Easy there. Bang, bang, bang. Right down the field. Like, you know, at some point I do feel like it's going to level off for Kenny. And if it does level off for Kenny, then I think it's Mitch's job. I think it's Mitch's job. But as, as disappointing as that will be for us Steeler fans who are ready to kind of anoint him, QB1, the successor to Ben Roethlisberger, let's go in. Let's shock the world in the AFC North. I, look, nothing would make me happier than Kenny Pickett winning this job and being good and being a quality quarterback, the same guy we've seen for the last couple of weeks as we get into the regular season. And I can go over on my other show on AFC North Talk rub that in those guys' face for 17 weeks. Like, nothing will make me happier than that, than Kenny Pickett proving all the doubters wrong, myself included, who, you know, was not a huge Kenny Pickett fan when the Steelers drafted him. Um, you know, as far as, like, what what do I what do I need to see out of Kenny Pickett to make me feel more comfortable? It's going to make Tomlin more comfortable. I think more throws down the football field, you know? I, I think for Kenny in this game, it's time to start taking some shots. And I think it's going to be time for Tomlin to tell him, hey, man, take some shots in this one. You know, I don't think we need to let, I don't think we need to have Kenny go into another game where the idea is like, just see the open guy, throw to the open guy. We know Kenny can do that at this point. I, mean, I think we've we got a pretty good sample size of when you just tell Kenny, like, you know, you don't go broke, make it a profit type type of offense, just find the open guy and deliver. Yeah. I mean, Kenny's going to be good in that, but there are going to be times in the game where he's going to have to push the ball down the field. We're going to want Kenny to push the ball down the field. There's going to be times in the game where when we get into the regular season, they're going to do a lot more deception for a young quarterback. You're gonna he's he's gonna get some some looks where he's not exactly sure what the coverage he's in, and so to simulate that in a preseason game because I don't know that the Lions are gonna come out and be very exotic defensively and throw a bunch of things at Kenny Pickett that he doesn't understand because it's a preseason game they don't want to show that stuff we all get it right so Kenny's gonna have to simulate some of that he's gonna have to simulate the idea of like all right well let me just try to make even though even though this may not be the best throw let me try to make this throw just to you know again just for that for, so everyone can see. This is what it's going to look like when Kenny's going to throw a corner shot to try and beat a safety. This is what it's going to look like when it's a deep seam route. This is what it's going to look like when it's a one-on-one -on -one and Kenny's trying to put a deep ball on a receiver in a one-on-one -on -one situation. You know, again, this is a preseason game. We don't need to be result-oriented about this. We don't need to go out there and say, well, you know, Kenny threw five incompletions and, you know, that was bad. If it was five incompletions, but it was five throws we haven't seen from him before, and those throws were good throws, there were 50-50 balls or whatnot, Again, we don't need to be result-oriented in a preseason game. It's not, it's not important that the Steelers win or lose. It's important that we get a fuller picture of who Kenny Pickett is. I'd also like to see, by the way, Kenny Pickett in a little more of the, the rollout, crazy Kenny Pickett stuff. Um, so, yeah, so going to be a fun battle. 
between these two on Sunday. Um, you know, look, there's a chance, there's a chance that if if things go well for Tomlin, if Tomlin has his way, because again, as I think Tomlin's kind of set this process up for Mitch Trubisky to be the starter, there's a chance that Sunday is the last time we see Kenny Pickett for a year. I mean, let's not rule that out. I mean, there's all there's there's also a chance that this is this is the day that Kenny Pickett anoints himself QB one, but there's also a chance. That, that for all of us who are, you know, enamored with what Kenny Pickett has done so far and, and kind of daydreaming about a world where, you know, Kenny Pickett is about to shock the entire NFL landscape. It's possible this is the last time we see him for a year. You know, it's possible that he just sits the bench for the entire year. Trubisky's QB1 and, you know, we let this thing play out and we don't see Kenny again for a year. So um, now the other quarterback we need to talk about is, is Mitch Trubisky. Oh, sorry, not Mitch Trubisky. Mason Rudolph, not Mitch. Mason. We need to talk about Mason Rudolph for a second because they're right before I went live here. I read a tweet from Ian Rappaport who said Mason Rudolph is drawing interest from other teams um, that there could, you know, the Steelers would potentially be willing to part with Mason given, you know, the, 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 uh, the compensation was, you know, fair market value. Now, I don't know what that is. I mean, is that a fifth round pick? Is that a sixth round pick? We just saw quarterbacks get traded this week for what conditional seventh round picks. I don't know what I don't know what they're going to be asking for him. I think it's interesting though. Um, you know, if Kenny, even if Kenny beats out Mason Rudolph, I, you know, there's no way Mason wants to sit around here and be and be the three, right? If Kenny doesn't win the job, but he's the backup and Mason's your three, I mean, you you can already if you go watch any Mason Rudolph interview from the last week or so, you can tell he's done a great job of of not like openly talking about it, but you can tell he's a very frustrated player right now with not just kind of the results here of the fact that he is now QB three on this roster, but I think he's, he's even more frustrated with the way that this has kind of played itself out. The fact that he didn't get a lot of QB one reps, the fact that early on in camp, I'm sure he felt it just like all of us who were there watching felt it. I'm the best one out here. I'm the best one out here. And, I, and I, if this is a competition, the best one out here should start to run with the ones a little bit. And I think that kind of frustration is maybe boiled over to the point where, he has a good game on on Sunday. It may be a situation where he just goes to the coaching staff and, and the front office after this game and says, "Hey guys, like give me another chance somewhere else. Cut me, trade me something. Like I, I just can't sit as the third quarterback on this football team right now. Um, so I, I'm not going to be shocked if that happens. Uh, now, the question for Mason is how much time is he actually going to get in this game? Because if we have again, if we're if we're legitimately in QB one battle time. I want to see, you know, you're going to want to see a quarter, quarter and a half of, of Mitch, right? Well, you know, again, first year player with the team. Let's see what he can do with this, with this unit. I want to get a little bit of time, certainly for Kenny with the first team. If this is the dress rehearsal game, you know, if Najee's going to play, all the starters are playing in this football game, then yeah, give me a couple more looks with Kenny with that first team and then let him kind of bleed into the second team as well to get me a ton of looks of Kenny. I mean, again, Kenny's a rookie. I, we have no frame of reference for Kenny Pickett thus far. Give me a ton of reps of Kenny. If Kenny Pickett doesn't have the most attempts in this football game, the most reps, I should say, in this football game, what are we doing? What are we doing? If it's a battle, you gotta let's let's find out. Let's find out what we don't know about Kenny Pickett, which is a lot, given that we've only seen him for what 23 reps thus far. Mason Rudolph had 20 reps, 20 throws in last game in, in the Jaguars game. Kenny Pickett's had 23 through two games. Give me some Kenny Pickett football in this one. I would like to see. Two quarters, maybe even more, of Kenny Pickett. All right, so you know, again, I think it's it's Mitch versus Kenny for QB one. It's Mason potentially playing for a spot. 
on another roster. That's where we are at the quarterback position. If you have any thoughts here, let me know in chat. We'll get to that at the end of today's show. We'll go over here to the running back position. Maybe not as dramatic as QB1, but certainly an intriguing battle here at running back that's, that's played itself out over training camp and now these first two preseason games. Um, really, the battle, I think, has come down to – well, there's multiple facets to this now. But it, it's really come down to Anthony McFarland versus Jalen Warren. With Benny Snell as kind of an asterisk, like he could get cut under the right circumstances. You could see it happening even if it is probably unlikely today. You know, the Steelers, are, I think, are going to keep four running backs on this roster. Najee Harris is one of them. Derek Watt is probably one of them, although we'll get to that in a second. And so then the other two are going to be, you know, Benny Snell, Anthony McFarlane, and Jalen Warren. Three dogs, two bones. Probably Benny Snell makes it probably between Jalen Warren and McFarlane. I think at this point, Jalen Warren has that, has the edge over, uh, over McFarland, but it's still one more game to prove it. You know, still, still one more game for McFarland to go out there and, and have a, a quality performance like we saw him against Seattle. A lot of this is going to be dictated by the play of the offensive line. The Lions, while they don't look, they don't have like a formidable defense. I, I think from their from a front seven perspective, you know, this is going to be a nice test for where this offensive line is right now. Let's say, you know, I mean, this is not Aiden Hutchinson and whatnot on the pass rushers are certainly going to be their own thing in the in the uh, in the passing game. From a run perspective, you know, I, I think. Uh, this would be a nice test for where this offensive line is right now, which is, just, you know, they're not very good. Um, and now, the other part of this to talk about is that Connor Hayward is getting looks at, at fullback this week, which I think has raised everyone's eyebrows because does that mean that, I mean, is Derek Watt fighting for a roster spot? I mean, Derek Watt's, while Derek Watt is listed as a fullback, what he really is is a core special teamer. So them putting Connor Hayward at fullback I mean, does it signal a roster battle or does it just signal that they they feel like this kid's athletic enough and, and they're comfortable enough with him playing, you know, kind of all over the place? Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird one because, again, you know, Watt's so good as a special teamer. It's why they, it's why they brought him here. It's, it's why he stuck around. I know everyone's like, why don't they use Derek Watt? They do. It's on special teams. Um, but, again, you know, as, as we'll kind of go through today, you'll see there are a lot of all – there are a lot of core special teamers on this roster you know, who seem like, you know, they're locks. So potentially one of those guys is going to have to lose out as we, as I've talked about before, there are some, there are some back ends of some positions where you really don't want to cut a guy. Do you really want to cut anything McFarland right now? Probably not. Um, but some else to watch for in this one. And how many, and by the way, just because he's, he's practicing a fullback, like how much, how many fullback reps are we actually going to see against the Lions? I mean, how many fullback reps are we going to see in the regular season period? Um, so maybe that might be one. The whole Connor Hayward played a fullback thing is that's a nothing story. It's an interesting kind of tidbit in a practice report. Um, and maybe not so much this kind of, oh, Derek Watt, he's, he's, in on, he's on the 53-man roster cuts. We'll see. All right, going over to wide receiver. Um, this, this got interesting for me as far as the 53 because Calvin Austin still isn't healthy yet. He's not going to play in this football game. Nick Faribault reported that today, uh, that Calvin is still down with that foot injury. So that may, if he has to go to IR, that may open the door. Well, that will certainly open the door for a Steven Sims or Miles Boykin. It could even open the door for Tyler Vaughn's. You know, we start talking about 
this team wants to keep – do they want to keep five or six? Like, if it's six, it's between Boykin and Sims. But if it's six and Calvin Austin goes to IR, then it's between Boykin, Sims, and throw Tyler Vaughn's name in there. You know, Vaughn's made some good plays at the third team, and I'd be interested to, in this game how quickly Vaughn's can get on the field. Does he, does he get any reps, any looks with the ones whatsoever? Probably not because this is a dress rehearsal game. But does he get a look with the twos? Um, and I think that will start to tell you where they feel like he is on the roster. The guys made some plays at the end of the game. There's no, there's no doubting that. The, the other thing to talk about here at this position is that I do think that there's a weirdly forgotten man on this roster. It's almost like, I don't know, there was a superstar player on the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it started day one of camp, and it continued all the way till about halftime of that Seattle game. And that was George Pickens. George Pickens was... Oh my goodness, can you believe how good this kid is? I was certainly saying the same thing as I watched him day after day at training camp, just you know, make play after play, acrobatic play. Um, I mean, he he, as I said on this show, I'll never go to training camp again if, if this kid doesn't end up being at least a good player because the throw or the, the catches he was making, the plays he was making at camp were that of a potential superstar in this league. And I it's you know, I, I know that that's silly to say at training camp, but I mean. You just cannot believe how consistently this kid was making play after play. But then then Kenny came in against Seattle. And really, ever since then, it's just been kind of the Kenny Pickett show. And we've all kind of, okay, yeah, George Pickens, right? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, no, he is. I, I think we need to get the – let's get the George Pickens hype train started up again. Okay? Because, look, it's very possible that Kenny doesn't win the job and we're going to be ha- – we're going to have to wait for that to really get started. But George Pickens is going to be – a starting wide receiver on this football team. Um, you know, he will, if this is the dress rehearsal game and he's going to play, I think it's going to be him and, and Deontay on the outside, Claypool in the slot. Hopefully the offensive line holds up enough in this game to give Trubisky some uh, some opportunities to, to make some some uh, some throws. And I hope George is a part of that. Again, I you know, he can, his playmaking ability, his downfield playmaking ability, his big play ability, something this team so lacked a year ago. And we start, as we start transitioning from talking about the 53rd and 54th guys on this roster and start talking about actual wins and losses, George Pickens is a huge part of – he doesn't play any part in the 53rd, 54th guy. He's not in a roster battle. He is clearly a starter on this football team. But I think how quickly he can go from being a good player who's you know this interesting rookie to, holy crap, you know we can this is a guy you can rely on. That's the difference between wins and losses for this football team because of how big those kind of down the field big plays are going to be and how much this team missed that a year ago. So let's 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 not let's not just completely forget about how good George Pickens was throughout camp and and, and the the potential that he represents on this roster. Um, the other thing to talk about here at wide receiver, if this is the dress rehearsal, I would expect Gunner is going to take all of the the uh, return reps in this game. He did have the fumble last week, so you know that that tape is out there. Certainly, he cannot afford to fumble. He cannot afford any kind of silly muffed punt or anything in this game. That would be devastating for his chances. Um, because remember, Stephen Sims has been a very nice player in those kind of open field situations. He had a nice punt return. He's had a couple nice end arounds. Um, you know, Sims potentially pushing him in some way. If and again, it would much like with the the Pickett versus Trubisky thing, it would take. I think it would take like a knockout blow in order for, for Gunner to not make it as the return guy. But 
he's already fumbled once. We know how we know how Tomlin feels about that. Uh, at tight end, not much to talk about here. The 53 is is decided. As I talked about, Connor's playing more fullback. So like, does Connor push? Does Connor push Watt off the rec, uh, off the off the roster? I don't think so. Um, but yeah, not much to say here. I'd like to see Connor kind of have a bounce back game. As I talked about, you know, he's a, he's an interesting prospect, but it, it's all for him. It's all about consistency, and it's all about kind of you know the the little things for him. You know, he had some penalties um, and, and just kind of some miscommunication with the quarterback in that first game. Didn't really make much of an impact last week. Um, you know, again for him, I think he's an intriguing prospect, but he's got to get more consistent. The offensive line, what can we say about the offensive line? There's, you know, I think we all know what we need to see here, right? Which is just any level of competency would be great. You know, just kind of any level, anything, anything whatsoever will be good because last week was an out and out disaster. The battle here is at left guard. The battle is between Dotson and, and Green. I would imagine that Dotson's going to start this week. Um, and I would imagine that there's almost nothing he can do to not win the spot, given that Kendrick Green for two games in a row now, plus a bunch of camp, has just not looked like – I mean, the guy is like a borderline should he even be in the NFL, regardless of should he be a starter. Um, so I think that battle has probably already played itself out, but it's worth watching. Um, Dan Moore is going to have – you know, I believe Hutchinson's going to be on – Hutchinson's going to play on that side. Uh, so he should be going up against Aiden Hutchinson, another rookie, and this is, what, three three weeks in a row that Dan Moore is going up against a rookie because it was Boye Mafe week one. Last week it was Trayvon Walker, right? And this week it's Aiden Hutchinson. It's tough, man. You know, it, it is tough because, look, I understand Trayvon Walker, number one overall pick. Aiden Hutchinson is, what, number two overall pick. And then Boye Mafe was an underrated guy who a lot of people felt like uh, maybe should have gone higher and whatnot. But Dan Moore struggled and struggled. And if he struggles again and against three rookies, and then week one it's Trey Hendrickson, who I think might be the most underrated pass rusher in the National Football League right now. Yikes, Rooney. Yikes, 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 yikes. Not looking forward to that. Um, it sounds like a core four might not play in this game. Joe Haig uh, is still in the concussion protocol as far as I know. So that may mean that Trent Scott starts on the right side. You know, we really think about the, the, the roster construction here and who's going to make it. It does feel like there's eight guys who I think, and maybe even nine guys, who I think you could all almost say they kind of all have to make it. Um, because you talk about the starting five, right? Plus Kendrick Green, plus I think Joe Haig. You can't cut Joe Haig because he's kind of the swing tackle at this point. That you can't cut Hassenauer because he's your backup center, right? You're certainly not going to put Kendrick Green back at center. <laughs> uh, and then John, I thought John McGlue played so many good minutes last year. I, I've, I've kind of been an advocate of. I think it's pity that they didn't include John McGlue in the battle for left guard. Um, so there's your nine, and then of course Trent Scott's going to get a chance in this one um, to put some, to put some tape on film. But yeah, I think that, I think that the, the eight or nine guys are there. So it's whether or not they want to keep eight or nine. Uh, I suppose, well, no, Hague's not going to go to IR with a concussion. He, that Tomlin said the other day, he was kind of close to coming back. So um, yeah, I think I'm the offensive line for, for me, it's less about the 53. It's less, this is less about, Who's going to make the roster? This is less about who's going to start. I think I have a pretty good eye. I think I have a pretty good eye for who's who those are going to be. It's more about can this group can this group start to even move in the right direction? Again, I'm not saying that this needs to be a game where Trubisky has all day to throw and you know there are rushing lanes that you or I could run through. That's not going to happen, right? But just some level of competency uh, based on what we saw last week. It, it, you know, you just need to see any level of improvement on the defensive line. Once again, I don't know that there's real roster battles here. So much as you just kind of want to see the young guys develop. Um, 
you know, we're, we're probably with this being the the dress rehearsal game. You'll see all the starters: Hayward, Alualu, uh, Ogunjobi. Interested to see you know, for a game where they're really going to be focusing on run stopping, and if if they are kind of willing to show their hand here, I'm interested to see how much in base sets, early downs where the the Lions aren't in eleven personnel, where it calls for a nickel defense. Do the Steelers play Ogunjobi in those spots, or do they play Chris Wormley? I've always thought Chris Wormley was a better run defender than Ogunjobi. Ogunjobi put some nice things on film, though, last week. And so that's one thing I'm looking for is, is do they feel comfortable enough? Is Ogunjobi an every-down guy, or is he more of the pass rush specialist, as Tomlin talked about in that introductory press conference into training camp? Be watching for that. Um, it sounds like it sounds like Isaiah Lottomoke won't play in this game. He went down with injury in that Jacksonville game. Um only had a couple reps in that one. Uh, so, you're not going to, you know, obviously, we're not going to see any kind of growth and development out of him in this one. Obviously, I'm, I'm excited about DeMarvin Leal. I, I, you know, I expect he'll be in there with the second or third units. Um, and I, you know, I, I think at this point, I'm pretty comfortable with who he is, although I'd like to see, you know, more growth and development him from him out of a kind of, um, you know, just, just kind of being better in the run game, being more patient you know, in the run game, because he's he just, he's one of these guys, discipline is the word I was looking for, be more disciplined in the running game, because he's, he's just one of these guys who just wants to get upfield and, 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 you know, kind of abandon his gap. Um, uh, the other thing, I guess I'll, I'll, we'll have to mention this, because I know I've not been a fan of Henry Mondo throughout the entire process, still I'm not, um, but Montrevious Adams is still going to be out with that ankle injury. I mean, this guy, he's been gone since pretty much camp started, right? I mean, when was the last time he even practiced? Did he play in a preseason game? So I don't think he did, you know, so uh, Adams is the guy they brought in last year. It was supposed to be that he would, you know, because he had to get on a moving train last year, the, the game it was hard for him to kind of get worked in. And, and there were times where I thought he put up some good tape, but it was, it wasn't all good from Montrevious, but this was going to be his first year. He's got a full season with the team now, and he's going to be able to work himself in and, in training camp and um, yeah, that doesn't happen. He's not playing. And so you do wonder, is this an IR candidate? I mean, does Mondo just kind of make the roster because Montrevious Adams is healthy? Is that a situation that could actually play itself out? Cause as I've said before, I'm, I'm not super in love with the idea of this entire nose tackle situation being Tyson Alualu or bust right now. And I, I again, I, I don't think Montrevious Adams is a bad player and I've kind of been okay with the idea of look, even if, even if Alualu can't be, you know, a, a 60, 70 rep, a game type player. Um, you know, you could certainly have Adams in there at times, but if it's going to be Mondo, yeah, I don't love that. I don't love that. At edge rusher. Yeah, this is, I guess there's a battle here now because as we talked about the other day, Gennaro Avery's cut. Potentially this is just going to be something where there's, there's a guy who's going to make the 53 who isn't on the roster today, meaning that they're going to go out and sign someone after everyone else makes their cuts to 53. But right now, I think, you know, Tuska and Hamilcar Rashad are kind of your leaders in the clubhouse. Those are your best two after. Jelante Scott was a training camp name that, you know, he kept flashing throughout, but he really hasn't done a great job of flashing in, in preseason. He had a really poor game against Seattle. I, I don't love the, the Steelers don't have a kind of third edge rusher. They have a couple other guys, but I don't know that they really have a player who, if it's if if Watts coming out, if Highsmith's coming out, that you feel comfortable where okay, well we can still get pressure with any of these guys. Um, so that you know, I, I, it's it's a, certainly a big worry of this defense. But 
as I said yesterday, this may be a, a situation where Tomlin and, and company are putting much more priority at this position on run defense than maybe we are as fans. Um, and that's why it's Rashad and Tuska and Scott battling for this. And Jannard Avery, who I thought was a was clearly the best pass rusher of all the backups, he's not even on the team anymore. Um, so, you know, I think for, for me, it's between those three guys, Rashad, Tuska, Scott. Um, I mean, Rondell Carter's still on the roster. I don't know that he's done enough to actually pass up any of the players we just talked about. Um, and, and quite honestly, if, if if one of those guys I talked about doesn't make it, well, two of those guys don't make it, it's because someone who's not on the roster today got signed after the fact. All right, one of the other big battles on this roster is, of course, that linebacker. You did, if you heard the show yesterday where we went over the defense, uh, I was really impressed with what I saw from from Devin Bush, from Robert Splain, and from what I saw from Mark Robinson. I think that, you know, I think this battle got a lot more interesting because, again, I'm not comfortable with any of these guys just yet. You know, it's a, look, they all put out good tape against uh, against Jacksonville. But you go back to that Seattle game, and I think none of those guys put up really great tape. And so, for me, it's going to be a level of consistency thing. But it's you know this this certainly is not a runaway position. I mean I don't, I don't even know that there is a leader in the clubhouse today. Quite honestly, um, I guess it would be Devin Bush because he's been the starter, and that's how you would kind of separate it at this point. Splain had a really good game last week, though. He, you, you, we know about his kind of veteran savvy. We know he's a guy who you can kind of trust. The right place, right time. Um, you just worry about if he's out there. You know, offensive coordinators are looking at him and looking. You know, they're they're licking their chops and saying, I can I can exploit that player. Now, of course, they're probably gonna say the same thing about Devin Bush. So I don't know. I I you know, quite honestly, you know, if you want to know what I would do, I would start Mark Robinson. I love Mark Robinson. I, I thought the tape that he put out there last week as the game kind of slowed down for him and he was just able to kind of play with that kind of natural aggression that we know he has going all the way back to his days at at, at Ole Miss last year. He's the kind of player I love on defense. You know, yeah, maybe you're going to want to back it off a little bit because he's probably going to bite on too many play actions and he's going to be out of position in certain cases. But man, you know, just as a as a fan, I'd much rather have a player who's playing with too much aggression, who's kind of flying around there, throwing his body around, than the guy who's kind of pitter patter and oh, you know. Now you guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, so the other oh, the other thing is Marcus Allen. I, I think Marcus Allen kind of has to play in this game. Marcus Allen's been silent, dead silent this entire time. And if he's going to make this roster, I know he's a good special teamer. You know, as I talked about, everybody's a good special teamer. Somehow the Stewards have nine good special teamers. Um, I know Allen's a good special teamer, but I think the Steelers are not cutting. They're not cutting Devin Bush. They're not cutting Roberts Blaine. They're probably not cutting Mark Robinson either. They are going to cut Buddy Johnson in all likelihood. So maybe they keep five here, and that's how Allen makes it. Um, but at some point, it's a numbers game, right? You can't you can't keep an extra at every position. At some point, you got to make a hard cut. And as I talked about, Benny Snell might be that hard cut. Derek Watt might be that hard cut. They might just cut the receivers down to five, and there's your your hard cut. Um, or it could be here at inside linebacker where they only keep four um, and, and kind of sacrifice Marcus Allen because he's uh, he's going to provide less as a you know as a as a linebacker and more as a special teamer. Corner. Now this one's done. This I know I know I kind of I played lip service yesterday on that defense show uh, to Chris Steele. And, hey, you know, here's a guy who's he's running above Justin Lane. But, again, I think that just is more about Justin Lane than it does Christy. I think this is this is like it. just lock it up. Unless there's an injury, 
It is going to be five players here. Akilo, Cam, Levi, Pierre, Arthur Mollette. Done deal. Done deal unless there's someone has to go to IR. Um, so, yeah. And, 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 again, what I'm looking for tomorrow from that group is, just, you know, once again, I thought I think this group throughout camp and throughout preseason has shown a level of consistency that makes me comfortable with all three guys when we talk about Cam and Levi and Akilo. As I talked about yesterday, you know, I didn't, I didn't love Cam coming out of the breaks. He tripped on one. He was just laid on the other one. But I'm not going to let one one game and two plays dictate how I feel about Cam Sutton going into the season. I think he's he's still the smart player we know Mike Tomlin loves. Uh, and so I feel pretty comfortable with this group overall. And there's really not a battle whatsoever. Safety got interesting because the Steelers signed this guy. They, they claimed off of waivers, actually. Elijah Riley from uh, the New York Jets. And what makes that interesting is that while this room is pretty easy to decide, Minka, Terrell Edmonds, DeMonte Casey, Trey Norwood, right? These are all guys who aren't just going to play. I, I think there are packages with which Terrell Austin and Mike Tomlin are going to want to get all three of those guys or, you know, three of the four of those guys on the field at the same time. Certainly in dime, that will be the case with Trey Norwood coming on. But I think there are going to be cases where they're going to want to put Casey, Minka as your, as your deep safeties and put Edmonds in the box as well. We saw that against Jacksonville. So those four are really easy, you know. And again, all I'm looking for in this game is just a level of competency. Miles Killebrew has been on this roster for a year now. He's another core special teamer, but they signed Elijah Elijah Riley at the last second. Killebrew, excuse me, Killebrew hasn't been around. I think he spent a lot of time injured as well, right? So um, once again, another one of these players where you have to make a hard cut here at safety. Are you only keeping four or are you keeping five? In it? And that fifth guy is Riley and not Killebrew. Something to watch for the back end of this thing. Because Steelers were kind of done with what they had seen from Donovan Steiner and wanted to move on and get a look at, at Elijah Riley. It's going to be hard. I think probably hard for Riley to make the roster. But again, you know, the, the question when we cut down to 53, at the end of the day, is how many of these true core special teamers who are not going to see the field when it comes to regular play is this team really going to feel comfortable keeping? Because if if let's go back to Jalen Warren for a second. If Jay, if you feel comfortable with Jalen Warren making this roster, I think you then would. I think you then should feel comfortable with him being RB2. And so now you have Benny Snell, who's who's really only value to you is as a special teamer. We know Derek Watts' only value to you is a special teamer. Same for Marcus Allen, right? You're going to keep Spillane and Bush and Mark Robinson. Allen all of a sudden becomes a player who's much more uh, a, a core special teamer only. And we know Killebrew at this point is a core special teamer only. How many, right? How many did I just name? Benny, uh, Watt, Allen. And Killebrew, four core special teams. I mean, it's not, not a ton, but I, those, if we're talking about surprise cuts come Tuesday, one of those guys. One of those guys, I think, could be the surprise cut. Um, and also, guys going to IR, always always throw a wrench in this. It always, at the end of the day, it's like, whoa, I didn't see that. I didn't see this guy making it. It's like, oh, yeah, because they threw this guy on IR. So, okay. uh, all right, let's get to some of your comments. What are you looking for in this game on Sunday? Um, state of the Steelers says biggest tune-up game ever. Okay. I'll, I'll go with you on that one. You know, again, you don't want to get too hyperbolic here in the preseason. What am I kidding? Of course I want to get hyperbolic. Uh, yeah, this is the biggest pre This is the biggest tune-up game ever. If, and by the way, uh, state of the Steelers is its own YouTube channel. You guys should check the channel out. I was on that show yesterday or this morning. I think I, well, I was on the show last night, but I think it went up this morning. Uh, so check that channel out. Today, right after I finish here, State of the Steelers. I think you can find that here on YouTube. I think it's an audio podcast as well, so check that out. Um, but, yeah, 
you know, if that first preseason game, as I said, with Kenny was like a rock concert, you know, where it kind of felt like this crescendo, like when are we going to see Kenny? Is this the Super Bowl of the preseason? Can I, can I, can I use that analogy? Is it okay to call this game the Super Bowl of the preseason? And the two contenders are Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett fighting for QB1? Is that, a, is that the right analogy for this preseason game? It's huge. I mean, it's it's a lot of fun. You know, I, I didn't expect when you when you think about going back to Ben Roethlisberger, right? And these kind of last, these last couple years, you know, after Ben had the elbow injury. I'm sure we all, I mean, of course, I thought this. I'm sure a lot of you did too, which is like, man, is that it? Like, is this elbow injury just going to be the end of Ben Roethlisberger? I'm never going to watch him again. Like, what a, what a strange way for that to end where it's just, boom, it's over. Elbow injury, and then he never plays again, right? I mean, I, I think all of us kind of had that thought that it certainly could be the case. Now, it didn't end up being the case. But remember, he comes back that year, and then there's the, they lose to the Browns in like devastating fashion, that playoff game. And you see him, you know, he, he tears in his eyes next to Marquise Pouncey on the, uh, on the bench of that game. And once again, you're like, yo, did I just watch the last game that Ben Roethlisberger ever played? Is that it? I mean, that's how it ends. It's like, pff, they got waxed by the Browns in the playoffs. And every time you would, you know, every time those kind of thoughts went through my mind, of course, you have to start to think about like, wow, if the Ben Roethlisberger era is over, you know, is this when we start to, to, to have the down, you know, the down, you know, for, for those of you who are young, who, who only remember the Ben Roethlisberger era, you don't know what losing is like in Pittsburgh. You don't understand that the Steelers, in fact, can have losing seasons. It's possible, right, when you play a season out, it is possible, Steelers fans, that you can end the regular season with more losses than wins. More lo- It's happened before. It has. I know it doesn't seem like that's possible in Pittsburgh, but, you know, I, I've, I've uh, been a fan. Or I've been watching since about 1992 is the first season I can really remember. I think I was about seven years old at the time. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there were some losing seasons in there. I remember, you know, the 6-10 and 10 year uh, where they were, you know, going back and forth between – what was it Tom Zach and and Cordell was one of the seasons and then oh my goodness don't even get me started on the Mike Tom Zach versus Jim Miller versus Cordell year I mean imagine this Steeler fans okay the last time the Steelers had a quarterback battle like a high profile quarterback oh there too but the last time they had a high profile quarterback battle it was between Jim Miller who I'm sure a lot of you never even heard of Cordell Stewart and Mike Tom Zach and you know who won that battle Jim Miller Jim Miller won that battle and they I believe Cowher started him for like a half. And Jim Miller sucked, and Cowher was like, okay, get, get out of here. And Tom Zach came in. Tom Zach also was not great. Um, then there was also there was also another quarterback, but I forgot about, Kent Graham. Kent Graham versus Cordell Stewart. And well, you want to talk about another out, just a disaster. That was, what, 2000? That was a disaster. Oh, my God, Kent Graham. Like, I mean, I think he actually had cement in his feet. Um, so, yeah, so anyway, the, the point of this, of this whole kind of thing is to say – that when I, whenever I kind of dream, whenever I kind of daydreamt about what's it going to be like when Ben retires, I always dreamt like, man, that's going to be depressing. That's going to be a sad time. You know, it's going to be like, okay, we got to watch losing seasons again. And, you know, and, you know, and especially, you know, watching Lamar and all the success he's had and, and now, you know, Burrow and all of that. And it's like, boy, you know, and the Steelers are kind of coming to the end of the Ben Roethlisberger era, right? as a time where the rest of the division is like really on the way up. Who would have thought that we'd be this excited right now? I mean, who would have thought that you would come into this preseason game and not feel like, oh, my God, which of these two guys? I mean, uh, you know, if you flip a coin, whichever one of these guys you want, they both are bad, right? And that's how you – that's how I kind of imagined that this would play itself out. But here we are. And if Mitch wins the job, like, I'm not I'm not sad that Mitch wins the job. I, I think Mitch has done a decent enough job. I'm excited to see what Mitch can do in a Mike Tomlin-led team, right, where he's got some competency at the top. Um 
you know, he, I think Canada is still going to put him in situations that that allow him to use his legs and, and throw on the run and the things we know Trubisky does well. Of course, I'm, I'm excited about that. But I'd be, I mean, I'm gonna be, I mean, I'm gonna be through the moon if if Kenny wins this job. Give me a break. I'm gonna lose my mind, uh, especially if he ends up being good. All right, DN here says, any chance we get a look at Calvin Austin? No, no, he's hurt. The foot injury is going to keep him out of this one. We will not see a single play from from Calvin Austin in, in the preseason this year, and that is disappointing because he was a guy in camp that I, I started to get more and more impressed with. You always, I, I'm always the kind of guy when when you see a player who's like, okay, this is the fastest guy in the draft, or one of the fastest guys in the draft. You know, I'm always kind of side eye of that. Of all right, you're really fast, but what else do you do? You know, I mean, it's it's kind of the Dre Archer effect, aren't we all kind of like that as Steeler fans? Where we all who who amongst us didn't jump all over the Dre Archer hype train? I mean, it wasn't just like choo choo Dre Archer, the fastest guy in the draft. This guy's gonna, you know, he's gonna go for 99 yard touchdowns every play. It's like you know, actually watch him on the field, you're like, where's the where's the four two speed that I was told this kid has? So yeah, so when Calvin Austin came in, I was like, all right, let's see it on the field and, and let's see how this really plays itself out. The thing that I was really impressed with Calvin throughout camp is not a straight line fast guy. He's not a guy who's just like straight line fast, but the moment you ask him to turn or, or kind of make any sort of adjustment. It's like a tank, right? It was like, boop, boop. No, he actually has real good lateral quickness as well. And I think what he does such a good job of is being able, especially on those end of rounds, to turn up field and not lose a bunch of speed. You know, and it doesn't just kind of, it's not a kind of stop and start situation. It's very fluid. He's a very fluid athlete. Um, he's, so, he's small. I mean, he is super, super small out there. There was that play. I think it was the first day pads came on. He catches a slant over the middle and Demonte Casey. No, that's right. Pads weren't even on yet. It's when they put the shells on. Right. So they, they put on like kind of, you know, these kind of fake shoulder pad things and Casey comes down and just cracks him. Uh, took it easily. And then, you know, he came back and that, that was not when he got injured. Um, so yeah, I was excited. I, I thought he had some juice, not just as a kind of end around player. I thought Calvin Austin could have been an, an interesting player down the football field. Again, you talk about, you know, with pickings and, and what he represents as a down the field target. I, I thought that, that could have been the case for Calvin as well. It still can be. I mean, again, you know, he's not going to play in preseason. He's still going to make the roster. I mean, he's not, I don't think he's in any sort of um, jeopardy of, of actually being a 53 man roster cut at worst case scenario. He's on IR. So, all right. Talking about Mason Rudolph here. Uh, Disturbed says rumors out now. If two teams interested, probably a sixth or backup caliber O-line. Ooh, a player for player swap for Mason Rudolph. Yeah, I don't know if you're going to get any. I don't. I don't think you're going to get anything close. When you think about what a premium there is right now on anything close to a starting caliber offensive lineman, I just don't think that they can get anything. Like even if they were to trade Mason Rudolph for an O lineman, I don't know that you know he, they probably end up in that kind of Joe Haig, J.C. Hassenauer, John McGlue type of rotation more than actually competing for a starting spot. I mean, quite honestly, and I'll give I'll give credit here. To um, uh, to Derek, I don't know his last name. Derek, he writes for Sports Illustrated. Derek the Kid on on Twitter. He was talking about this with Noah on their podcast, All Steelers Talk, um, and they were saying, you know, there's really not a spot on this offensive line right now. Where you, even if you wanted, even if you said, okay, I have a good player that I can give you, you know, the Steelers are almost incentivized in a lot of ways not to try it. And and, and I know that sounds silly, but but think about it this way. You know, they invested a fourth-round pick in Dan Moore. They've kind of been all in on the idea of, like, let's see what Dan Moore can do. We think we might have found this kid. We might have found a, a 
a true left tackle in this kid based on what we saw a year ago and the kind of growth and development he showed throughout the year. And I know the first two preseason games have been really tough for him, but is but we know how patient the Steelers are. Right? They're not a team that's kind of a snap judgment type team where, oh, this guy's bad, get him out. And that's why Kendrick Green is still battling for the left guard spot, even though every single one of us looking go, uh, yeah, that battle is O-V-E-R, son. Kendrick Green can't play. The Steelers are a very patient team. They're not going to do that. And so, you know, are the Steelers, even if someone offered them, I mean, obviously not like a Trent Williams type, but, you know, just a, here's an average left tackle. Would you like to have this average 32-year-old left tackle who we don't want anymore? It's almost like the Steelers would be incentivized saying no because at the end of the day, they kind of need to figure out what they have in Dan Moore first, even if it is going to hurt their offensive line in general. At left guard, left guard's the one spot where I, I probably disagree with, with what Derek and Noah were saying. I think left guard is a spot where if someone came and knocking and said, hey, we got this you know 32-year-old left guard who is a solid player and we don't want him, I think the Steelers would have to say yes. Yes, please. Now, you can make the argument, same with Dan Moore, is that they, they drafted this kid in Dotson. I think they might have something here, although I think the problem for Dotson is he's been hurt so much. The coach staff doesn't like him. You can make an argument that he's – he could be shifted. Mason Coley just got in this offseason, and he hasn't even been bad. I mean, Mason Coley's the best offensive line. So, you know, you, you would actually have to be given, like, a real upgrade at center to throw away what they already have in Mason. At right guard, okay, even if, this, even if the Steelers got, you know, another offer for, a, like, here's a really good right guard. They just paid this guy $26 million over four years to James Daniels. They're not throwing that away. I mean, as much as all of us would sit here and say, go, oh, I'm sorry, Tony, the left or the right guard situation is bad right now. I don't care how much they paid James Daniels. You got to get a better player there. The Steelers are patient. They're not going to do that. And then at right tackle, you know, we all know about Chooks. Chooks is a, a decent pass blocker and a liability in the running game. But they knew that when they signed him to that four-year deal this offseason. So, you know, we all talk about like they got to go in, they got to go into Frenchie and get someone. They got to get someone. They got to upgrade. Where? Where does it seem realistically? Again, not just talking about in Madden. In Madden, yeah, when I look at my Madden franchise, guess what? Half these dudes are gone immediately. Day one, baby. But it's not Madden, right? This is this is real life. This is how the Steelers really operate. So realistically, who do you think the Steelers could realistically make a move to go get an upgrade? And which guy are they then benching or, you know, or moving? It's an interesting question, isn't it? Because they talk about this Isaiah Wynn and all that stuff. Like, yeah, I mean, that's fine. But where are you putting him? You know, you want to put him at guard? I don't think he wants to play guard. So anyway, not to like depress everybody with like, yeah, you're stuck. You're good. You'll, this is the offensive line and you'll like it, but it's kind of, it's kind of that way, isn't it? You know, this is the offensive line we're stuck with. Now, as far as trading, uh, trading in Mason, um, for a sixth round pick, I'd probably do that. I, I just don't want, I don't want, I don't want Mason around here. If, you, if he doesn't want to be here, go, go. I'm not one of these people. I talked about this the other day. I'm not one of these people who are like, Wait, wait, wait. What what about what happened back in 2019 when all the quarterbacks got hurt? When that was a weird year. If that happens again, yeah, the Steelers are going to be screwed again. But, you know, we're really going to sit here today and be like, well, if Mason comes in, they can still make the playoffs. You know what I mean? As good as Mason's been. As good as Mason's been. Let's be honest. Probably not. Uh, Sky Hunter, if they sat Kenny Pickett for a year behind a guy like Brady or Peyton or Rogers, fine, but behind Mitch, what's he going to learn from that? Uh, look, I'll agree with you on this. You know, I, I mean, I, look, I'm not sitting here today and saying that if Tony Serino were head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, that he would start Mitch Trubisky over Kenny Pickett. Of course not. You guys know me. I'm hype trained Tony, baby. Listen, I saw I, if I was head coach, okay, hype trained Tony 
if he was head coach, he saw the throw to Frymouth down the seam where 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 uh, Pickett read the linebacker's leverage and and kind of threw with anticipation with a guy in his face, right? I would have just immediately right then got on the phone with Canton, Ohio, and said, "Yeah, I got this kid, Kenny Pickett. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. Start making the bus now." Okay, that's how I feel about Kenny Pickett. I'm talking about in what is how has Mike Tomlin treated this quarterback situation, and what is realistic when we're talking about who can win this battle. We can live in a fantasy world where we all just go, Kenny's the best player. I want to see Kenny start. Of course we all do. As I've said, we can't, you can't speak rationally about Kenny Pickett right now because we haven't seen him throw a bad pass yet. All the incompletions he's thrown thus far are, you know, an out route that probably should have been caught, a back shoulder that was a good throw and should have been caught, and a spike. So we talk about, like, I want Kenny to start. Of course we do. I'll, we all do. We all do. Right? You know, again, it's, it's for Tomlin, it's about really evaluating who gives this team the best chance right now to win a Super Bowl. That's that's his that is his assessment. And that's what he's that's kind of what he's been doing this entire time. And his assessment throughout the entire process has been I really only have one guy right now that gives me that chance. I think it's Mitch. And I guess at this point he feels like, well, you know, if Kenny's this good, maybe I do need to give him an opportunity. Again, I don't I don't want people to, to assume that my saying Trubisky's gonna be the day one starter is what I would do personally. I would start Kenny, baby. Let's go. Let's go. Um Bobby says, this is Tomlin doing Mitch a solid for saving us from Mason. <laughs> Indeed. Although, if this were between... Okay, here's an interesting thought experiment. Let's say they had never signed... Let's say they had never signed Mitch, but instead went through this whole process this entire time of, of Tomlin and, and company lying to us, but saying, we believe in Mason Rudolph. He is our starting quarterback. We believe that Mason Rudolph is our starting quarterback. And then they end up drafting Kenny, and we go through this entire process, and it's Mason versus Kenny. See, if that were the case, then I'd be telling you today, I think Tomlin's going to start Kenny. I think Tomlin, I would. Th I think in that case, Tomlin starts Kenny. Even though this whole process, Kenny hadn't gotten, if it had to play out the exact same way, where Kenny got the exact same number of first-team reps, it was always Mason. I think he starts Kenny in that case. See, the thing about Trubisky is, remember, we, we talk about the potential of Kenny and what Kenny could be. You know, there's also the potential of like, well, maybe what we're seeing from Kenny Pickett, because it's only been 20 reps, is a mirage. And I think Tomlin knows that because Tomlin's seen every rep in camp, including those first couple days. He knows what Kenny's capable of. Whereas with Mitch, I think he knows I got a veteran guy. He's been in a bunch of different situations. He's not going to get put to a lot of situations, especially as defenses start to, to maneuver things around, where he's going to get that kind of deer in headlights. And, oh, okay, here's a situation I haven't seen before. You know, again, we've seen 20 plays of Kenny. There's going to be a lot. Look, if... If the expectation is that Kenny's going to start and Kenny's going to look this good for 17 games and the Steelers are just going to be like a 12-win team because Kenny's this good, like take me with you on that fantasy land ride because I would I want to live there too. I just don't think that's realistic. And I think Tomlin knows that, and that's why that's why he's kind of he's anticipating that this is Trubisky first. But if Kenny is this good, like let's try it out, you know. All right. Uh, Ali says, I'm not really, a, I'm really not a fan of the core special teamer only guy. Those hidden yards can be made up on the other end with replacement talent. Well, I, I get, I get your point. Um, you know, they, they always say, I, I, I'll agree with you in this way. This, the saying that's always, that's always said, you know, special teams is a third of the game. You know, there are three teams. There's offense, defense, and special teams. It's a third of the game. It's not a third of the game. Okay, there are what? How many plays in a game are there? Like 100 or whatever? It's 50-50 between offense and defense? Okay, there aren't 50 special teams. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, there aren't. 
It's not, it's not a third. It's not 30. It's not 100 plays and 30 of them are offense, 30 of them are defense, and 30 are special teams. Special teams are like, what, six, seven plays a game? They matter. Don't get me wrong. They do matter. But that's why I'm going, I'm going over the roster. I'm looking at like four, five, six core special teamers. Like, okay, hold on. Hold on. Mark Robinson can play special teams. Okay. Jalen Warren can play special teams. And then maybe they're not going to be as good as a Benny Snell or a Derek Watt. But I'm not cutting those guys to keep, you know, Miles Killebrew around. I'm sorry. I'm definitely not doing that. And I think that's where you're getting at, Ali, and I agree with you on it. Um, State of the Steelers says, any truth to Avery getting cut because he wanted to be ahead of Highsmith? I heard this. Someone wrote to me yesterday on the show and said the exact same thing. Okay, if you have, if there is a legitimate source, even if there's not a legit, if this is a Reddit thread, can you guys send that to me? Because I would like to read this. I have not heard anything about that. It is hilarious. Uh, because here we are back-to-back seasons. Really, it starts, if this is true, it starts to make me wonder about Alex Highsmith. Why is it that every edge rusher who comes to town who has even any sort of talent whatsoever just immediately assumes, like, yeah, I'm better than Alex. Oh, Alex Highsmith? Oh, I'm better than that kid. I mean, I got it from Miles Ingram last year. I, I completely understood Miles Ingram last year. I wish, and I hope, I shouldn't say I wish, I hope that Tomlin was very upfront with, with Ingram when he uh, when they had the, the conversation before they signed him, of telling him, like, look, Alex is our guy. We want you to be the third edge rusher. We want you to kind of get worked in, but you're not going to start. You would hope that that was the conversation because that was probably the truth. Now, if if Ingram heard that and said, okay, I know you're saying that today, but I'm going to prove to you that I'm better, fine. You know, you can't, you, you can't deal with that. If Avery came in and had the exact same conversation and thought the exact same thing, <laughs> almost makes me wonder more. Like, forget about the Avery thing. Almost makes me wonder more about Heisman. But I don't know that that's true. Again, I watched that tape against Jacksonville, and I saw legitimate reasons to be concerned about a player, not as a pass rusher, but as a run defender and, a, and as his ability to keep contain on a mobile quarterback like Trevor Lawrence, which could have been bigger reasons why he got cut. Um, Eric says, I like that you came full circle. Draft night, I thought we might have to bring out the defibrillator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, listen. This is who I am. This is my personality. Okay. I mean, this is, you know, it's highest, highest, lowest, lowest, baby. I mean, I don't, I don't do, you know, you, you never see Tony who's like, man, he just seems like a normal, just, you know, he's not happy. He's not sad. He's kind of like, you know, I don't do middle of the road. I'm when it's going good. It's the best. This is the best thing I've ever seen. And when it's bad, it's the worst thing that's ever happened. Okay. And so if they had drafted Malik Willis that night, it would have been the best thing that's ever happened to the Pittsburgh Steelers and me personally. And when they drafted Kenny, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, and I've come, of course I'm coming full circle. That's again, you know, it's look, I think people, I I have opinions on how the Steelers do things, right? As we all do, right? There are there are things, there are players that I like, players that I don't like on the team, you know? Now, at the end of the day, what I want more than anything, right? I, I'm an, you know, I try to be an analyst here. That's what I try to do here on the show or whatever and try to provide, you know, unique analysis and whatnot. But make no mistake about it. At the end of the day, I am a Steeler fan through and through. Okay. And the only thing that I want on Sundays, more than being right, I don't care about being right. I care about the Steelers winning football games, baby. That's all I care about. So if Kenny Pickett gives this team the best chance to win, and it makes me look like an absolute fool because that tape will be out there forever of me kind of moping as the Steelers took their future Hall of Fame quarterback and Kenny Pickett, I don't care. I'm the same guy that built up Duck Hodges like he was going to be a Hall of Famer. Okay. I mean, who cares? That's who I am. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm all, oh, listen, I came all the way around. Came all the way around. And again, you know, listen, now I don't think if Kenny, listen, if things go wrong for Kenny, 
nah, I won't take a victory lap. I won't do that because it's going to suck for the Steelers. And at this point, like they took the guy. The other thing I'll say to, to defend myself, to defend myself, and I probably should have, I probably should have, you know, kind of had a, like a, like a motivational poster on my second monitor or something that had this. I, I did say throughout the process when it came to draft time, my big model was I don't care who the Steelers take as long as they take their guy. Get the guy that you love, not the guy you like. Don't settle for the guy you like. Go get the guy you love. That's why I, I kept saying throughout the entire process, go trade up. Go trade up for the guy. If you love a guy, go trade up to get him. Because you don't, you know, you don't just sit around and go, well, you know, look, there were three quarterbacks in this draft that I really liked. And we ended up with a third of those guys. And that's fine. You know what I mean? Like, that's how you end up with a bad quarterback. You take a guy, you're like, yeah, this guy's fine. I like him. I would have, I would have, I would have really liked the other two, but you know, I'll settle for this guy. That was my big fear going into draft night was that there was going to be a run on quarterbacks and we we're going to get, you know, at the end of the day, it'd have been like, all right, you know, Sam Howell and Matt Corral are left. Who are the, who are the Steelers going to take? It's like, oh, they took Matt Corral. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Great. The fourth quarter. Sick. Awesome. Yeah. That was what I was worried about. So, yeah, I mean, I was super sad. But at the end of the day, the Steelers did do what I wanted them to do, which is they went and got their guy. You know, and at the end of the day, should you trust this guy or Mike Tomlin when it comes to quarterback evaluation? Uh, probably Mike Tomlin. I'm, <laughs> I would say probably Mike Tomlin. Yeah. Um, Mighty Zero here says Tomlin didn't give Kenny the start this game. I don't think he will week one. I don't think he will week one either. I'm still a believer that he's going to go with Mitch because this is everything we've heard about this. Every Steeler insider, everyone has always, you know, it's only this week that we start to hear guys like Kaboli say, you know, Kenny's making a late run for this. You know, you go back to Jake Glazer from a year ago. Jake Glazer said Tomlin didn't want to start with a rookie. He wanted a veteran. Jay Glazer was on site at Latrobe this year. And what did he say? He goes, he went on that, whatever it was, TikTok or Instagram, whatever it was. And he said, this is not a quarterback battle. Mitch Trubisky is QB1. And again, Jay Glazer is very good friends with Mike Tomlin. So when Jake says something, I mean, you can really trust that. And the same with, you know, Caboli's got good insiders. I mean, again, they steal their beat reporters. I know they get a lot of flack. But a lot of them are, you know, they, they do a good job of covering the football team and kind of being um, knowledgeable about, you know, how this team operates. And so while we on the outside, we get all hyped up. Oh, Kenny, 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 Kenny. You know, Kenny, Kenny, if I'll go back to this thing. I've said this before on the show, so I apologize if I, if I repeat myself, but let's, let's, let's not let it get lost that if Kenny Pickett wins this job, he won it in spite of Mike Tomlin. He won this job in a job that he was not given a chance to win, right? Tomlin kept saying quarterback battle quarterback battle but he gave only mitch trubisky qb1 reps and so again you know mitch kind of had to do this thing with one arm tied behind his back he had to do this thing with the third team and then the second team right and he's just oh i'm only gonna get he only got two drives against jacksonville you understand how perfect he had to be throughout this entire process and again i, I would say this about the lions he kind of has to be a little bit perfect in that one too if he's actually gonna win it but what does that say about Kenny Pickett, the gamer in him? You know, we talk about, you know, the, the it factor that guys have. This guy went out there and won a job that the basically the coaching staff basically didn't really give him a chance to win. They didn't really make this a battle. They put him in a battle against Mason, and he ended up beating out Mitch. How awesome would that be? Again, you know, it's Kenny Hype Train, baby. Kenny Hype Train, baby. All right. 
we're over an hour, of course. You know, I do these things. I'm like, all right, it'll take, what was it going to be, like 20, 30 minutes to show? How long could it possibly be? And then, of course, we get to going on chat, and we're at an hour. But I love it. That's why I love doing this show. That's why I love doing this thing live. Happy I started doing it live. All right. State of the Steelers uh, says, is there a potential comp pick capital by keeping Mason? Well, maybe. But he wouldn't. So the comp picks work by a certain number of players that have to qualify by the amount of money that they get signed on their next deal. So if you think that Mason Rudolph can make a significant amount of money with his next deal, and I guess backup quarterback, has a backup quarterback ever gotten signed and then got a comp pick? I probably shouldn't look this up live, but maybe I will. Let's look up last year. I think because overthecap.com does a good job of this, where they, they list out comp picks and of course now i'm going to go on their site and not be able to find comp picks so this is going to make for for a great podcast um comp, comp picks here we go so did any backup quarterback earn a comp pick for and, and again it gets offset by the guys you sign no that's this is okay actually this is a this exercise doesn't need to be done and i'll tell you why Steelers are gonna have enough cap space next year they're gonna have enough needs on this team linebacker and offensive line and probably corner that they're going to need to go out and sign some free agents that even let's say Mason goes out there and gets, you know, 9 million bucks a year or something crazy. Um, they would still probably offset that by whatever corner or O-lineman or whatever they signed that would just kind of offset the deal they get from another team. Um, all right. Stay in the sewer says Tomlin uh, out there. If, there's a quarterback battle. Put it out there. There's a quarterback battle. If Kenny outperforms Mitch, but Mitch doesn't do enough to lose it, how does Tomlin justify what everyone else can see if he starts Mitch? Yeah, I mean, we talked. You know, we talked about this on your show, right? Which is there's the fan base component of this. There, there is the kind of the the outside. Okay, Tomlin may have his own vision of how he wants this to play out, but I, I talked about this on State of the Steelers, and I'll I'll, I'll kind of give a, a TLDR here. You can listen to the full point on the show. You know, the, the problem for Tomlin is. If Kenny doesn't come out there on Sunday and look like the kind of player who, who everyone goes, okay, maybe we pump the brakes a little bit on Kenny, right? If, if there isn't a pump the brakes moment for Kenny and he looks good again, maybe not great, but not good enough to actually overtake Mace, uh, to, to overtake Mitch, the, the season starts out in such a way that is very bad. It's just not an advantageous matchup for the Steelers, both from a defensive performance against the Bengals, who are probably going to put up a lot of points on this team. And an offense that, you know, just the Steelers have not done well offensively against this Bengals team. They match up so well on the, the defensive line and they're going to run the ball, right? You got corners that can kind of, um, you know, with the Wuzier, who's going to be able to probably travel with Deontay. And then you got, uh, well, I like Mike Hilton versus Chase Claypool in the slot. I mean, I think that's actually going to be a pretty good matchup. But regardless, right, you see what I'm saying? They're going to have to go to Cincinnati. The Steelers got waxed by Cincinnati twice last year. Mitch could very easily struggle in that football game. And then you're going to come home to Akrasher where Kenny Pickett is a just, you know, he's a legend already. And if, if that offense is get off to a quick start against new England, Bill Belichick defense where the Steelers, you know, again, we know that history. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it is going to be tough. I think for Tomlin who he's not the kind of coach who I think plays, you know, who lets the fans and all the kind of the outside pressure play a role in this thing. But at the end of the day, Boy, it's it's it's, it's you know this it's going to kind of roll downhill for him, right? Where it's like it's the fan pressure is going to build and build and build. It's not a, it's it's not exactly the the kind of opening schedule 
you could easily see this team be 0-2, right? I mean, I, I look, I don't, I don't want to be doom and gloom guy for the season, but loss to Cincinnati early. Belichick defense shuts down this team week two. You go into a Thursday game against Cleveland, and if that's another loss, I don't care how they lose it. You, I mean, you know, Kenny Pickett against the Jets. Right? So I, I get your point here, which is that, look, at the end of the day, if it, it's almost Kenny's job, it's almost – I like this take, actually. I should have said this on your show. It's almost Kenny's job to lose because at the end of the day, even if they start Mitch, Mitch is probably going to struggle to start the year. And that's going to that's gonna lead to a situation where you're going to end up starting Kenny earlier than you probably wanted to, right? It's by week four, you're probably going to end up in a situation where, all right, it's Kenny time. Um, and, you know, Kenny Pickett wins this job anyway, even though. And this is, of course, assuming that on Sunday, Kenny does enough good things that the fan base is still rallying behind him, even if he doesn't do enough to prove to Mike Tomlin that he should be the day one starter. It's like, okay, he's not the day one starter. He's the week four starter in that case. Uh, assuming that the beginning of the season is a little uh, slower to get started than maybe some of us Steeler fans may like. All right, so now we're over an hour, and I think that's going to do it for me today. Thank you all for watching or listening if you're listening to this on audio version. Again, if you are listening to this on audio version and you want to watch me live on YouTube, you can head on over to YouTube, search Steeler Country with Tony Serino. Uh, we're going to be live. I don't know. If gonna, I, I know I kind of promised that I'll be live for that Lions game. I'm going to try and make that happen. It is my dad's birthday though. So, you know, I'm not going to kick him out. He's coming over for breakfast. I'm not going to kick him out if he wants to stay over for the Steeler game. So I may not be able to do this thing live. Um, I'm going to, we'll, we'll see, but regardless, I'll be back early next week to recap the Lions game. We'll talk about the 53 man cut down. We'll talk about whoever ends up being QB one, um, and if, again, if you're watching this on YouTube right now and you'd like to get this as an audio podcast, search Steeler Country, wherever you find podcasts, you'll find me there. Subscribe to the channel. And on your way out, if you're watching live, like the video, subscribe if you're not already subscribed. Helps me out. And I'll be back next week to recap Steelers, Lions, all the roster cuts, and who is QB1 for the Pittsburgh Steelers right here on Steeler Country.